Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Business Line's State of the Economy podcast. Today, we have with us Rahul Pithiyani, who is the Global Head for Energy and Sustainability Consulting at the Creasel Market Intelligence and Analytics. Rahul heads the BFSI Energy, Commodities, Metals, Real Estate, and Healthcare-related verticals, amongst others, of consulting at Creasel Market Intelligence and Analytics, an alumnus of the Columbia Business School in New York, from where he pursued his executive program in management. Rahul has more than 20 years of experience in shaping thoughts and leading teams in areas of industry research, company analysis, strategy formulation, sustainability, and capital markets. He pursued his bachelor's degree in computer engineering from the University of Mumbai and a postgraduate degree in business administration from the Great Lakes Institute of Management, Chennai. Today, we will discuss with Rahul the financial and investment aspects related with India's infrastructure push, particularly in the sectors of power and surface transport. Recently, Creasel released an expensive report on India's infrastructure growth and future prospects, including veterans. We will also discuss with Rahul on the availability of long-term funding in these projects and the challenges that lie ahead. Rahul, thank you so much for sparing time to join our program and discuss about the key fault lines in India's infrastructure journey. Would you like to start with who's watching this space for almost two decades? What has changed, Rahul? Thank you for that uh, warm introduction. I think uh, we all being stakeholders in the overall growth of the country in the infrastructure space, I think it's a very critical role to play. At least our expectation is over the next six, seven years, uh, India is expected to grow in the region of, you know, six to seven percent, which would mean, you know, a need for a extensive infrastructure build out and typically what we've observed is there is a gdp multiplier of close to 2.5 times in as far as infrastructure is concerned to contribute to the overall economy you know asked you know what has changed over the last 8 to 10 years i think what we have seen is gradual acceleration in terms of spending from the government side there has been a lot of, you know, sector-specific policy activity also that we see in various sectors, which is, again, kind of, you know, led to relatively faster execution of projects, though, you know, we can always do better. So there has been an improvement in the pace of execution. Then second key change that has happened is the scale of projects. So we are having many large mega-scale projects, be it the Giga factories, the large airports of over, you know, 120 million passenger capacity, then large expressways. So the ambition and the size has also increased and it will require, you know, continued efforts to kind of, you know, work on policy related issues to make sure that the changing environment and with the advent of green sustainable finance and the need for sustainability to kind of, you know, continuously evolve the regulatory and the policy environment for this sector. Brilliant description, you know, my takeaway from this would be the scale and the ambition and size of the projects have increased in in the last two decades. And and that's a great reflection. Uh, And this, you know, brings me to the question on where Creasel's infrastructure year book 2023, where you projected, you know, that between fiscal years 2024 and 2030, the energy and transport and investments would be to the tune of rupees 46 lakh crores. So which is a whopping 183% over 
the investments that have come between 2017 and 2023 financial years. Basically, uh, what you were explaining about ambition and size, does, does it aptly reflect over here in the numbers that you've published? Yeah, I think it's very clear in terms of scale ambition. And as we move towards being a five to six trillion economy by the turn of the decade, we will see as, as well as we will need a larger investment in infrastructure and energy and transportation being two very, very key elements in the entire piece. As you know, you know, if you look at the energy space, the power sector is expected to see a demand growth of over close to 6% or so over the next five to seven years, which is a fairly large number. And given that, you know, we have to move towards green energy, uh, that will have a very, very important role to play. Along with that, in the power sector, we also have this issue of, you know, grid integration with respect to the transmission for the renewable energy, with respect to upgradation of the transmission lines, setting up green energy corridors, and also on the distribution side, improving the efficiency with respect to ATNC losses, reduction, and also, you know, smart metering related solutions. So all these will require, you know, significant investments. Additionally, there is also the point of, you know, providing a round-the-clock renewable energy, which will again need storage, be it pump storage as well as battery energy storage, where we are likely to add close to, you know, 30 gigawatts of capacity. So, which will again be a very important factor in the overall piece. And on the transportation side, I think the demand continues to be fairly robust. In most segments, we are seeing demand in the region of 8 to 10% where again, you have uh, investments that are expected to increase substantially, especially on the uh, EV charging infrastructure, battery manufacturing, and pure play, you know, just augmentation of the capacity that is needed in these spaces. And also there is a manufacturing element with respect to the PLIs, uh, both for module manufacturing, as well as the entire EV value chain. So all these will require significant investment. And that's what uh, is likely to account for the 46 lakh crore of investment in energy and transport transport for the next few years till 2030. Just to break down these sectors and if we take the power sector first and aptly brought out by you on transmission distribution, the Achilles heel of the sector, unless until we get up with both these transmission and distribution uh, larger, you know, reforms in the power sector won't be possible. Uh, but, you know, if we break down power sector and we look at the renewable sector, you meet analysts, government officials, company officials across the spectrum, across the world. In your conversations with all these people and in your consulting side, do you see a change in uh, the outlook of investors when they're looking at India for investment? I mean, if we look at 10, 7 years back, India has always been, you know, blamed for policy paralysis or shifting of policies or, you know, things, bureaucratic red tape. Are all those things now coming down? Are investors looking at India more optimistically? What, what do you see in your conversations with, uh, you know, analysts, company officials and all? So I think it's very clear in our conversations from most people, the investor confidence is a lot higher than what we used to see earlier. Primarily, again, it's also driven by what is happening globally. I think India is relatively shining out with respect to what we see globally. And in most markets globally, we are seeing slowdown. So India kind of stands out and is one key significant large market where people want to invest. And especially from a, if one looks at foreign direct investment, again, you know, we've seen a good flow in the Indian market. People do uh, acknowledge, you know, there are 
policy related challenges but as long as you know there is a response to those problems and we are resolving that that is something that i think most people are building in their overall investment thesis where they do believe you know there are going to be policy and reforms that will be needed and they are seeing them you know in many areas improvement and that coming through and the cycle time reducing and that is something that they will expect even going forward so in many of the emerging segments such as ev battery storage i think globally itself you know we are seeing a lot of policy evolution happening in many markets so that is something that will be an important thing to watch out for and we expect this to materialize even going forward clearly the body language has kind of you know changed where they see good opportunity and another thing a small supplementary question with this has the government also become more creative and more uh, conscious about its responsibilities why i'm asking this is because my off record conversation with the us energy secretary something she projected a couple of times is that uh, indian government has started giving its annual trajectory for wind and solar assets which really works a lot better with uh, you know companies because now they know how much uh, you know capacities will come up for bidding and they have a roadmap for at least 2 to 3 years which helps them also you know manage their investments do you think there is a conscious effort on part of the government also you know look at these opportunities give up more uh, concrete uh, roadmap to participants of the future do you think this really helps or this is helping in uplifting the image of the country no i think clearly in terms of the guidance in terms of you know where you want to take your capacities i think in terms of targets i think things have been well articulated and even going forward you know a lot has been said and in the power sector at least we see good amount of visibility we are expecting close to you know 300 gigawatts of capacity addition on the renewable side over the next few years led by both solar and wind so that articulation and the plans clearly helps and also with respect to module manufacturing and pli being very clear in terms of timeline i think that articulation does help along with that you know for green hydrogen you have a 5 million ton kind of number for 2030 that again articulation helps and also in terms of storage capacity again you know there have been some targets that have been announced which are more shorter term that again kind of you know gives provides a lot more visibility the key is you know you should be able to deliver on those targets and that commitment that is seen that will continue to remain you know the key thing what we are able to deliver compared to what our plans are so that is something to watch out for but in general i think the policy has been a lot more uh, dynamic uh, and reacting to a lot of you know the environmental changes the price changes the price shocks that have been coming so to that extent i think there's a lot more visibility for an investor if you look at the other part if you look at the surface transport sector allow me a couple of minutes to you know give a context to the question i wanted to ask the energy transition task force which was set up by prime minister and the former oil secretary tarun kapoor they said that all the million plus cities should do away with diesel vehicles by 2027 and they highlighted this with a large city they said that this is needed now when we look at surface transport the biggest polluters are you know the diesel buses run by state transport corporations now those buses are around 1.5 lakh the state transport and another 1.5 lakh is various run by private and others you know if we speak with experts recently i discussed with the transport commissioner in delhi uh, the problems they are facing while changing you know electric buses so charging stations and issue 
So in transport sector, we have a lot of confusion. I don't have a right word. It's sort of a, you know, bhindi bazaar kind of a daily where everyone is coming in. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of words coming out. You know, in this all confusion, do you see the sector, you know, you look coming up and trying to tap those foreign investments because, you know, for tapping foreign investments, you have to have a very clear pathway so that investors have a better view of what you intend to do. Maybe I'm not able to convey my question correctly to you, but there's a lot of confusion in transport sector. When we see it, the investments are going to go up, as you said, around 9.2 times to rupees 7 lakh crore. So where does the optimism for you come from? I think from a government perspective, I think they have set up some sort of a clear target setting in terms of, you know, them kind of wanting to transition towards electric vehicles going forward. And I think battery will play a very, very critical role in that transition journey. By 2030, I think we are expecting EV penetration to reach almost 30% across all segments. And, you know, we'll be happy to stand corrected if it accelerates even more. Some of the government numbers are much higher, more than 50%. So if that really materializes, which would mean, you know, a large scale investment across the segment in charging infrastructure in battery manufacturing. And also, you know, we've already seen uh, PLI linked incentives being offered in this area. So all these initiatives would mean, you know, a larger scale of investments. On your specific points with respect to the utilities, buses, uh, which are a very, very critical element in this entire piece because of the amount of diesel usage. So there have been incentive schemes at, provided at local state level uh, with respect to you know procurement of electric buses. So in pockets, we have seen some successes, but the challenges are fairly large. Funding this will be a challenge. Providing the charging infrastructure will be a challenge. And there is always a very, very critical element in the center state alignment for many of these projects uh, often is a challenge so we are hopeful that you know some of these challenges will be slowly overcome some feasible sensible solutions will be found out because sustainability is a very key agenda for almost all the large major cities municipal corporations and uh, buses is a very very important element so there are no easy answers hopefully you know with the challenges that come about there can be dynamic policy response both at the center and state level and how quick that response is is likely to determine you know how quickly we move towards that path no, that's a great summing up. You know, there are no easy answers for transport. That, that could be my takeaway. But the intent from the government now is serious. And why I'm asking is that you mentioned about the financial issues with uh, state transport corporations and the fact that the government is talking about a risk protection fund for e-buses, you know, underscores that point. The center state thing, I thought we I will also discuss it later with you because one of the issues will be center state uh, chemistry. But do you think there is more seriousness coming from both center and states on uh, greening the transport sector? No, I think we clearly will see a lot more action from the center in case, you know, the states don't move. Some sort of financial support is clearly coming through. I mean, on the lines of what we see in the power sector, again, you know, there are incentive link schemes which promote grooming the operational discipline at, of the state utilities at the same time providing them concessional funding and 
with a higher role of you know multilateral development banks also providing some funding uh, is something that we expect you know the center to kind of you know try their best to kind of you know channelize funds in this area and provide adequate uh, funds because we all know the challenges that some of the local bodies face in this area so i think it's clearly a wip now the pace and the movement of this will be a function of you know how we are able to kind of you know deliver on many of these uh, aspects going forward one small question on this the g20 is discussing the role of multilateral development banks and you know so much is being talked about it do you think such uh, such conversations and exercises will open up more uh, investment options for developing countries like india no absolutely i think the, there has been clearly uh, push from india and uh, in terms of you know uh, reforms in the multilateral development banks clearly from a speed point of view the approval process point of view and also you know funding availability and allocation point of view i think there are some reforms that are being spoken about and uh, you know you are well aware of the you know the push from india and now if some of these things materialize and we see uh, uh, improved uh, efficiency in terms of the funding flow from multilateral banks that will remain a very very key critical element not just for india but rest of the world to kind of support in the net zero and the decarbonization plans globally not just for india so rahul the first part that um, i had conceptualized was with basis of you know your thoughts on how these investment processes and all are moving and now the second part i thought would um, you know devote to challenges because uh, the crisil report which you presented uh, one of the things which is lists is environmental clearances and approval delays is a high severity of impact if you could shed more light on what are the operational problems that players are facing uh, with respect to environment and approval because one thing about environment and forest clearances is uh, uh, i mean it relates to a coal mine the linkage has been given to rajasthan but the forest clearances in by chatisgarh where the mine is has not been given and, and and hence the the coal supply to rajasthan is stretched so such things keep happening because since you meet people across the spectrum for investment to companies to analysts what do you think are the practical problems that are being faced so i think one uh, practical problem that is being faced is again uh, linked to you know center state alignment and at a central as well as the state level i think the approval process has to be intertwined streamlined and uh, much faster for uh, players to get you know approvals you mentioned uh, mining related issues more often than not the way we are seeing in the road sector i think projects have been bidded out post getting some of the clearances some of those kind of practices have to be kind of you know ensured in, in most of the other sectors too a land acquisition is another very important aspect where the state has a very very critical role to play so it's very important for critical projects i think there are some alternatives uh, found or some other uh, way which ensures you know the projects don't get stalled and the money midway doesn't get stuck and uh, in the beginning itself land acquisition issues are sorted pre awarding of projects uh, that will be something that is you know clearly a wip and uh, it's an important area of focus and it will be a important challenge as the 
scale of your project keeps on going up if i can just also highlight you know couple of other issues with respect to central state alignment i think on the power sector side you clearly see issues with respect to open access rules and you know many of the discoms facing challenges and you know open access not being as easily available as you know the center would like uh, because of you know financial issues in, at the discom level then there are issues with respect to cross subsidies surcharges and also availability of green power i mean if there are you know any central level guidance uh, mm-hmm. some of the utilities will have to kind of you know incorporate all of that and many of these will need to work smoothly and there wherever possible you know center will have to kind of you know make sure that the states are well aligned and their financial models are viable so that uh, many of these transitions can take place more smoothly not directly related with this rahul but wanted to understand when we look at states profile you know there are states like telangana which are doing tremendously well in terms of investments across not just in green side but others then there are states like um, not taking in a political sense but like bihar and others where investments are still stretched do you think even state governments need to take really serious efforts to you know ramp up their profiles absolutely that's a very very important point so in order to ensure progress and faster growth in their economy and faster rise in income levels of the populace there it's very important that uh, the states encourage investments and those investments can again be encouraged by the actions that are taken and i think from the central government side i think where you are seeing you know examples of competitive federalism where they have tried to promote uh, ranking of states etc so some of these initiatives are very important and uh, i think those are initiatives that we as a nation should continue to kind of you know push and uh, hopefully you know people will see the merit in some of these uh, initiatives and accordingly that will be very critical to channelize in with that's really great explaining it really in very simple terms for at least someone like me to understand won't take much of your time last question rahul and i think this is something which is very close to your heart because when we last met on the release of the report you were speaking about the green financing and how is it could you take our listeners down what is happening in terms of green financing because you also spoke about bonds and you know how india can attract those if you could give our listeners a small explainer on uh, in the sense that where is green financing right now when we are when india is trying to attract it are we doing the right things to attract green financing and if not uh, you know what what should be done by the government and the industry to attract more green financing see on the green financing front uh, i think it's going to become a very very important issue as you saw you know we are looking at fairly large investments on the green side uh, close to you know 36 lakh crores over the next 6 7 years and uh, if i look at the lay of the land in the past you know infrastructure in the government has been financed by a mix of you know banks nbfcs or from the government side as well as you know the bond market even going forward i think these will be the three key areas which will be critical to kind of you know fund infrastructure now if one looks at the green infrastructure finance i think globally we see a lot of funds being available both from sovereign as well as the private side which are interested in investing in green assets those are purpose driven funds also pension funds retirement funds uh, which are kind of you know looking in that space we have seen some of the domestic corporates uh, on the renewable energy side raise funds globally uh, close to 20 billion of outstanding bonds have been raised globally 
Now, in order to mainstream and channelize and expand this market even further, I think it's very critical that Indian companies comply with some of the sustainability-linked reporting requirements. The government on its side is kind of, you know, pushing that through the BRSR uh, getting implemented for the top 1,000 corporates and increasingly with the supply chain and other disclosures becoming more streamlined and aligned with some of the global reporting standards. Clearly, you know, there'll be more and more data available for in investors to uh, take those specific calls. And of course, there needs to be a lot more work that we needed from the taxonomy perspective. RBI on its part from a banking channel is also looking at incorporating climate risk as part of its overall uh, you know assessment of banks so banks will also need to look at you know climate risk as well as through BRSR will also have to look at their finance emissions very closely so assuming some of these pieces fall in place from a banking sector side also, given the opportunity and the size of investments, it will be an important element to kind of drive growth for the banks. So overall, as we move over the next few years, we are expecting the banks to contribute close to 7.5 to 8 lakh crore in this area out of the overall funding. Additionally, we also expect a larger role from PFC, REC, NAPFIT uh, to fund the green infrastructure part because they clearly have been identified by the government to kind of, you know, accelerate funding, which is long term in nature to be available. Finally, through the bond market development, we've already seen the sovereign bond market issuance, sovereign uh, green bond issuances where uh, of close to 16,000 crores last year. Going forward, we expect that market to accelerate uh, not just for the sovereign, but even for the private sector and start to become an important element. And with the reporting rules and regulations being more and more streamlined, that will be one very critical area. And most of the infrastructure investments are long-term in nature, which will require you know support from a long-term uh, bond market. And here, again, we see role of uh, the pension fund, retirement fund, insurance companies, as well as the mutual funds which again have been seeing good inflows from the domestic investors. All of these funds together, you know, will get channelized and hopefully can deepen the bond market. And we could see some green investment, though in terms of pricing, there has not been much of an advantage till now. But with a more deepening uh, market and more maybe, you know, tax incentives getting offered on the margin, it may become an important source of funding uh, going forward. Thank you so much, Rahul, for breaking down the financing part, something I really don't understand. It's, it becomes quite technical. But if I have to ask you one parting last question, you see optimism going ahead in the medium and long term when we look at, uh, you know, greening the infrastructure and, you know, uh, upscaling it. No, absolutely. I think clearly all the right building blocks are being put in place. And we are very confident that if India has to grow, you cannot leave aside the issue of sustainability. Though we will not do away with coal-based power capacities, they will be also needed. But one will have to take a balanced view. And if wherever you know possible, uh, one would need to in incorporate sustainability as well as climate considerations in terms of the infrastructure build-out. And all building blocks and ingredients are in place to make sure that that happens. And what, according to you, would be a key monitorable in this situation? 
I think the key monitorable would be the pace of uh, policy reforms. This will challenge the government as well as the private sector in terms of technology, in terms of uh, policies, in terms of being continuously at it and doing reforms on an ongoing basis is something that will be very critical, be it on the funding side, on-ground implementation side, state center related you know, issues, uh, technology related issues. So all of them will need to be addressed on a dynamic basis. Thank you so much, Rahul, for, you know, breaking it down so simply. I hope our listeners will get a real good insights out of it. Thank you so much for sparing time and, you know, speaking to us on the Business Line podcast. Thank you.